Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. As you are being generous in these next few moments and, and giving your offerings to, the, to this ministry, uh, I want to thank you. Uh, I also want to thank you for those of you who have been a part of the Generations Campaign, which we began last fall, introduced to you in September, and began to talk about it until you made your promises in December. For those of you that are, are giving toward that and sacrificing toward that, I, I want to thank you. I don't know if you know this, but if you went down I-44 here out of the building to the right, you went down the main hallway, you could walk into our children's ministry area, which opened this morning for the very first time. It is a beautiful space And we are so excited to have it remodeled. I want to thank, just, I I know if I name somebody, I'll leave somebody out. Uh, But our crew here at the church put together a beautiful design. They worked really, really hard. They put in more hours than a person should have to work, and it's beautiful. And we hope you'll take a chance to go down there and take a peek at it. And if you contributed toward that, thank you so very much. Uh, We're very excited to have it. I also want to tell you one of the things we talked about in our generation campaign was a Thursday night service. And we want to let you know that that Thursday night service will launch in January of 2019. We're preparing for it. There's a core team that's been working on designing it and getting it all ready. We're also going to be asking, and this is one of the asks that I'll begin to make. uh, We have been prayerful that 150 to 200 people that attend Christ Church on Sunday mornings would decide to attend Christ Church on Thursday nights to be there, to serve, to, to help support it, to just be in attendance and to find that night of worship. And uh, on October, here are a couple of dates for you. On October 25th, we're going to have our first launch team gathering. So if you have never thought about it, this is what I love what God will do. Some of you are thinking like, I'm not going to Thursday night. Did you ask God about that or did you just decide? Because I believe some in this room are going to say to God, do you want me to be there on Thursday night and be surprised that you are? And so if that's something you'll pray about, we want you to encourage you to. October 25th will be the first. You're going to hear more about it coming up. But we want to begin to prepare you to pray that if God wants you involved in Thursday night, that you'll serve in that hour and be a part of that service. And uh, we want that service to be for those who cannot and will not attend on weekends, those who work and have busy schedules, and we want to serve them well and love them well. And so we hope you'll consider uh, that opportunity uh, as we go forward. So if you'll open your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 10. Uh, I was rude. I should have introduced myself earlier. If you're new here, my name is Mark, and I get to work here. And very excited for that privilege. And we're glad you're with us this morning. Uh, We're in this lengthy series through the Gospels, and we're taking our time processing each and every verse of who Jesus was and what he did and why these four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, recorded these things. Today's going to be a very famous passage of Scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 10, and you'll know it. I'm familiar many will know it, even if you're not a church attender. Uh, you'll be familiar with this particular story. But I need to give you the setup. Two weeks ago, Michael DeFazio spoke on this stage about the first 24 verses of Luke chapter 10. And he talked about being sent. You might remember that he, Jesus sent his disciples in pairs of twos into different communities and he told them what to do. But he also warned them in verse 3 of Luke 10. You're like lambs among wolves. He warned them that there would be risk. He warned them that there would be opportunities and discouragement and frustration, but good things would happen if they would persevere and be faithful. And then they came back and they were very, very excited and Jesus cautioned them. He didn't correct them, he cautioned them not to be excited about the big things they saw, but to instead celebrate the life change that happened. 
It wasn't just that miracles were performed and healings were performed. He said it was that people entered into my kingdom. And with that thought in mind, we continue on with verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. So this man who comes to Jesus, so you understand the background, he's an expert in the Old Testament law. He is a religious man, and he has studied what the law teaches. So when he asked Jesus the question, what is written in the law? He said, and what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, well, what what does it say? How do you read it? Well, I'm supposed to love God, and I love my fellow man with everything I am. And Jesus said, you got it right. You have it figured out. Do this, and you will live. But when the man starts the question with, what must I do to inherit eternal life, he's actually poking at Jesus because Jesus kept talking about this life eternal, this kingdom eternal, this coming kingdom that was already here and beginning to expand. He said, what must I do to be a part of that? And Jesus said, what does the law say? Do it and you will live. It goes all the way back to Leviticus 18.5, where the Old Testament law says, keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them, I am the Lord. God says, do what I tell you to do, and you'll find life in that. Well, this man knew, by the way, Jesus was talking about eternal life, that Jesus didn't suspect he had it. So his question is, what do I got to do to be a part of this? Jesus said, do what the law says. And this man knows he's not keeping the law perfectly. So in verse 29, now this is crucial. Verse 29, if we don't understand it, the parable Jesus is about to tell us can be misunderstood. In verse 29, Jesus, or Luke records... But this man who asked Jesus a question, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? See, this man knew he loved God, but he wasn't loving his neighbor. So to justify himself in the eyes of Jesus, he said, who's my neighbor? To justify himself. This is what Luke wants us to understand. Even each one of us, if we're honest, we attempt every now and then to justify ourselves to God. We say things, well, I'm not as bad as her. Or I didn't do what that guy did. My family's not not tragically wrecked. It's just a mess. You know, I I don't go to church often, but I I believe in God. I I don't read my Bible or I don't pray and I, I don't really sacrifice for other people. But, you know, I try to live a good life. That's called justification. He's trying to justify himself. So he says to Jesus, then tell me who my neighbor is. And Jesus being the man never answers his question. I love Jesus. Verse 33, or 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, stop for a second. I want you to understand, because you didn't find it funny when I set it up. You gotta find it funny. Here's what actually happened. Hey, Dad, can I borrow $10? There was a young man who came to his father once. There you go. So he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled and came where the man was, when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, being Gentiles, 
living in Western states with a Western mindset, we don't understand what just happened here. Let me try to rephrase it to capture your imagination again. There was a man walking down the road and he was mugged. And a a priest went by and saw him laying on the side of the road hurting and did nothing. And a, a Bible college professor went by and saw him on the side of the road and did nothing. And a mugger on his way to mug somebody else saw him on the side of the road and helped him. Are you with me? The audience would have gone, what? The mugger, he's a bad dude. He, why would he help? That's exactly the point Jesus wants to make. No one expected the story to end with a guy like a Samaritan caring about somebody else. You see, Samaritans were outcasts, cheaters, uneducated, displaced people. And this is the criticism Jesus faced his entire ministry. You see, this Levite says to him, what am I not doing And Jesus' answer is, you say you love God, but you don't love God because you don't love anybody else. You see, if you want to be religious, work on being good. If you want to follow Jesus, work on loving others. If you want to be religious, just go to church. If you want to follow Jesus, be the church. Don't just work on looking good. Actually work on loving others. This is what we're called to do. This is what Jesus was doing with his story in response to what must I do to inherit eternal life? Love people. Let me explain further. First of all, the opportunities to love are inconveniently everywhere. It's really easy to take every piece of a parable and turn it into a piece of theology and I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do. Parable has a point it's making. This point is loving others is how you live the life. But to love others The people that need loved are inconveniently everywhere. And I use the word inconveniently on purpose. The priest, it says, saw him and went to the other side. The Levite saw the man in his condition, half dead, and walked to the other side. A Samaritan, as he traveled, saw him and did something. We could talk why the priest and the Levite in this story didn't stop why they walked to the other side. I think when Jesus said they moved from his side of the road by the ditch to the other side of the road was because they were fearful they would become unclean if they touched him. His audience was a Levite, so he said, you don't help people because you're afraid how it will affect you. Jesus is teaching us that the people who need love, the people in ditches in our lives, are inconveniently everywhere. And they are inconvenient. It it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort. It may cost you and I something. A disciple who has been loved by Jesus spends more time in ditches than anywhere else. He wants us to know that the love of Jesus will affect us and will bring about a response. It's inconveniently needed and it's inconveniently everywhere. The second point I want to draw is found in verses 34 and 35. He went to him, the Samaritan went to the man in the ditch and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So not only are they inconveniently everywhere, but people that need loved are inconveniently costly. You see, it's much easier to question why the man's in the ditch. And I'm probably the only person in the room who is so flawed that they do this. But I see people regularly that are hurting and broken, and it seems whether they're spiritually or emotionally or socially half dead, 
But there they lay in the life they made for themselves, and I foolishly spend more time figuring out if they deserve it or not. Well, if they hadn't done this, and they hadn't done that, and they hadn't done that, if they'd have just done what I told them to do, they wouldn't be in that condition. And I think Jesus' words to me are, stop it. It doesn't matter why a person is broken in a ditch if they're broken and in a ditch. Can I have an amen? We can justify to ourselves why we don't help. But the fact is, what do they most need? Someone to love them. Someone to serve them. Someone to be inconveniently appropriated toward them. You know, I joked last week, just as an aside, that everyone we love is inconvenient at some point, aren't they? Now, I won't ask you if your spouse is inconvenient because you're probably sitting near them. But we know our kids are. And I know my parents are, and I know the people I work with are, and I know every one of you are. I could go on all day. (laughs) Because what happens is when people fall into ditches and get broken, you see this road of 22 miles, the Jerusalem road, or the Jericho road rather, was 22 miles of dark alleys and crevices where muggers hid. When Jesus presented this, realized it doesn't matter why the person was beat up and left for dead. They were beat up and left for dead. And whether they shouldn't have been by themselves or whether they asked for it or whether they shouldn't have had possessions with them, it doesn't matter. They needed love. And this man stops his journey and he pays a cost for them, a financial, a social, an emotional, a spiritual cost. It cost him money to provide for this man's needs. It cost him time. He had to risk. Think about it. He gets off his donkey and goes in the ditch to help a man who's been mugged and left for dead. How does he not know that the muggers are somewhere nearby waiting for him to get off his donkey? Jesus paints a real-life scenario where it's not convenient and clean. It's not a Sunday school story with little flannel graphs or VeggieTales films. This is a real-life situation where there takes risk to love somebody, and Jesus has never painted love to be a a hallmark moment. He's painted to, to fall into the gritty reality of life. And he says in verse 35, Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you had. What about love is easy? What about what about love is easy in any place? This would be a good marriage sermon. It'd be a good parenting sermon. It would be a good work ethic sermon. It would be a good service sermon. It's just a good sermon. Because what about love is easy? Nothing. If you want to know if love is easy, look at the price that Jesus had to pay to love. It cost him everything. It cost him his physical welfare, his social welfare, his financial welfare. It cost him everything. Jesus did not live the good American dream. He paid the ultimate price to love. The cross is the perfect example of what love will cost us. See, there's nothing easy about the kingdom except the way we die to enter into it. His death became ours. Verse 36. And Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Now, I'm kind of curious, how do you think he actually answered that question? Do you think he answered it like, I know, I know, I got the answer? Or do you think he answered it like the sixth grade kid who got caught lying? And so, did you tell me the truth? No. So, which one, which one was the good neighbor? The one who showed mercy on him. It's amazing. You see, the opportunities to love are worth taking. 
Jesus is applauding the fact that the one who took the greatest risk was the one who actually showed love. The others played it safe. The others protected their own interests. The others went about their own plans. They didn't have time to be inconvenienced. They were going up to the city. The priest and Levite were probably going up to serve God, and on the way to serving God, they could not serve their fellow man. Jesus' problem with the religious leaders of his day is they worked so hard on being good and spent little time on loving others. If you want to be religious, work on being good. If you want to follow Jesus, work on loving somebody. You see, Jesus never answered the question, who's my neighbor? Jesus did answer the question, who can I be neighborly to? And the answer is everyone. I want to be clear about this because I don't want this to turn into some works sermon. Where now, you need to go out and do three loving acts today or you stink. It's not what this is about. This is actually much deeper. So if you think that by feeding the hungry and loving the hurting and and giving compassion to those that are down and beaten is how you get into heaven, you've misunderstood It's the way we treat them that shows whether or not we're a part of heaven. See the difference? We don't love so Jesus loves us. We love because he already has loved us. We simply demonstrate by our actions that we know the mercy of love. When Jesus said to him, who's the one who is most neighborly? He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus is teaching us that unless we understand that we've received his mercy, we'll never offer it. That's why we can act in racist ways. That's why we can treat genders poorly. That's why we can be disrespectful to our parents. That's why we cannot be neighborly to our neighbor because, you know, they're one of those people or they do this or they don't live the way I want them to. The reason we don't show mercy is because we haven't understood how much mercy we've been shown. Listen to what Jesus teaches. The Samaritan didn't care if loving his neighbor was easy or made him unclean. You see, love overcomes our legalism. There are so many, and I've lived this in my life, and I still struggle with it, that there's certain things that I define people by. You know, if they didn't do this and this and this, then their lives would be better. Maybe they ought to learn that. Love overcomes my legalism because Jesus didn't ask me to judge them. Jesus asked me just simply to love them. Show them the mercy I've received because it was his mercy that won me. It wasn't legalistic rules. He didn't care that it may have been a Jew in the ditch who hated him. Love overcomes injustice. He didn't care that he would be risking his own treasures. He didn't spend a moment wondering, if I do all this, will I ever be rewarded? Because love overcomes our desire to be rewarded for everything. He didn't care about those things because instead he simply chose to care. He invested now because he knew it was the right thing to do. Jesus turns the tables and he says, which proved to be the neighbor? The man said, the one who showed mercy... And verse 37, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And there's the sermon. Go love. If you've been shown mercy by Jesus in any way, go love somebody. Go love the person in the ditch who's broken. Go love the person who doesn't deserve it. Go love the person who hates you. Go love the person who demeans you. Go, do, go love the person who keeps shooting themselves in the foot and wonders why they limp. Go love them. Because what did Jesus do to a world that didn't understand him and didn't treat him well and didn't take care of him and was racist toward him and demeaned him and belittled him and prosecuted him and murdered him? What did he do? He loved mercifully. So go and do likewise. I want to talk this morning to the three parts of what makes you someone in the image of God. I want to talk to your head, 
I want to talk to your hands and I want to talk to your heart. I want to talk to your, your mind this morning as Jesus answered this man's question. How does it engage us? Please understand this. Jesus is the good Samaritan in the story. Meditate on that this week. He is demonstrating that the most unlikely person stopped in this story to help someone in need and the most unlikely Messiah got into the ditch with every single one of us to bandage our wounds, to provide our rescue, and to provide our safety going forward. He's the good Samaritan. Meditate that on, on that this week. Create some sacred time. We talked about it last week. Create some sacred space in your world where this week you're going to do nothing else but grab your favorite coffee or tea or pop or whatever you drink and just sit in a quiet space. It may be outdoors. It may be in front of your picture window. It may be in your favorite chair. But create a 10-minute period of time where you just sit down and process. Picture Jesus as the Good Samaritan getting off his comfort and getting in the ditch with you. To your hands, serve the people around you in the ditch today. Be patient, be kind, be gentle, be merciful as Jesus was to every person. Serve somebody today. It might be something that takes you no time and it might be something that takes you great cost. But will your head and your hands engage today into the story? There is no doubt that we walk by people in ditches every day whether it's at an airport or work or on the way to work or maybe it's at a ball game or, or maybe it's in our own homes or maybe it's this afternoon. You see someone who's emotionally struggling and spiritually broken. They don't know what to do and they feel like they're half dead. They don't know what, how, how they're gonna survive this. And we walk beside them and we do whatever we can to love them well. And engage your heart. Jesus is showing us that Christianity is not exclusive. It's inclusive. It's not just for the people who have it all together because if the church was for just people that had it all together, we would close this one, wouldn't we? Because the guy standing on stage right now running his pie hole, he doesn't have anything together. He's guessing all the time. Christianity is not an exclusive religion for people who got it all figured out. It's an inclusive religion for people who only realize Jesus has it all figured out. And he is the solution. He is the answer to the people in the ditches you and I will pass today. And some of us in this room right now are in a ditch. And the only reason you came to church this morning, because you didn't know what else to do. You're not sure you believe in all this. You're not, you don't get the music and you don't understand why all these people would come out to this place in the middle of nothing. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus met us in a ditch. Church, am I right? Because Jesus is our hope. Not a hope for one day, a hope for this day. Jesus is the one who promises to pay all the prices we need to have paid on the cross so that you and I could live freely. So what happened to him unjustly could happen to us unjustly. We could live. We're going to do something different this morning as we conclude. There are some of you this morning who find yourself in a ditch and Jesus is not your savior. He wants to be. And you know you need him. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you all morning long that the love that we talk about is the love he wants to give you and you want it. You just don't know how to receive it. Following my time of preaching and for the rest of the morning during the songs and afterwards, I'm gonna stand over there. You see this window to my right, our baptismal window. I'm gonna stand under there. There's a little table with a lamp and I'm gonna be there. And I know it'd be awkward and heck for you to get up and come see me. Do you wanna get out of the ditch? I'd like to introduce you to the one who'll save you. 
and I'm not gonna force you to make a decision today. I'd like to have a conversation with you. Some of the elders are gonna join me and we're just gonna wait. If no one comes, it's okay. You can come after the service. You can come Tuesday. You can call me inconveniently at Wednesday morning. You want out of the ditch? Jesus is the rescuer. And for those of us who have been rescued from that ditch, isn't he good? Isn't he kind? And hasn't he filled us with the mercy that can love anybody? Yes. And that's who we worship this morning. And that's who we sing about. And that's why we gather, is not to tout how awesome we are, but to remember without Jesus, we are nothing. And he calls us to life. If you went out of the ditch, come have a conversation with us this morning. We want to teach you what it means to be a follower of Christ. Let's stand together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.